is Jason Manford. This is Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. Hope you're well this morning. It's the Jason Manford Show. 8.12.15 is the text this morning if you're up and about. Always lovely to hear from you. Um, I uh, Well, I can tell you that Tommy Tiernan is my guest this morning, uh, but he's not here yet. Either he's uh, just running late or he's really taking this coronavirus pretty serious. <laughs> uh, but no, he's on his way. He was, he was in Liverpool last night and he's at Sulphur Keys tonight. So he will be here very, very shortly. If you are up and about, though, we've had some people already texting in this. Uh, Ryan in Dawlish says, uh, I'm up, Jace. I'm hosting a robots war party this afternoon, which sounds exciting. Well, that'll be good. People making robots, fighting each other. Then he goes on to explain exactly what that is. A group of us are going to be watching some of the classic series of Robot Wars this afternoon from 2pm. That's You've added the word party, Ryan. <laughs> There's no party involved. Uh, and who else is up? Uh, hello, Jason. I've been up since 5.45 with me four-year-old Theo playing Paw Patrol. Every Sunday, it seems, he wants to do this. Uh, doesn't want his dad to join in. Mm, it's tough, isn't it? It's, uh, kids get up, they, you know, that's... You're part of their social life. You're their only social life. They can't wait to see you. I take it as a compliment. All those people whose kids are sleeping in, it's because their kids don't like them as much. That's my theory. Jason. Manford. Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. As you read this in the paper this morning, right? I, I, I've, I've never flown... First class on a on a on an aeroplane. I've done I've done business. I've got to tell you, I've done business on occasion. Premium economy. I, I quite like a premium economy, but I just I'm, I'm happy to fly. Uh, if you've never been first class, right? Let me tell you right now. There's a horse that's already flown better class than you, right? Fred was specially trained by his handler, uh, Ronya Froizer, to join her aboard an American Airlines flight from Michigan, dressed in an outfit befitting a budget superhero film and with a travel bag strapped to his body. The pair flew from Grand Rapids to Dallas, Texas, from where they grabbed a connecting flight to Ontario. This, this, this horse is travelled, well-travelled. It's a miniature horse, by the way. It doesn't, it doesn't explain that in the, uh, in the story. Um, this is not a full, you know... 10-foot thoroughbred. This is like a, it's a little miniature one. Um, in Facebook posts, uh, Miss Froze thanked the pilots, co-pilots and crew on all four outbound flights, uh, saying the excitement to have a legit service horse on board was a breath of fresh air. I don't know what a service horse is. Is that something to do with the military, maybe? I don't know. She added the kindness and comments from how well-behaved Fred was made me the proudest mummy. She's not his real mum. She's one of those <laughs> pet owners who thinks it's the same as being a parent. Uh, handler and trainer ever. They were all super respectful. Fred, who has his own Facebook page, of course he does, was apparently the subject of a few bemused glances from fellow passengers. I'm not surprised. A few naysayers. Hey, hey. thank you. I'm here all week. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I don't need a guest. Absolutely fine. Uh, and provided the in-flight <laughs> entertainment. Uh, one man asked for a selfie with Fred. Some people are weird, aren't they? Imagine, can I have a, can I have a selfie with your horse? And was the most well-behaved animal he's ever seen on a plane. I've never seen an animal on a plane. You see the odd... The odd I, mean, I mean, a dog maybe? Because somebody... I don't know. I've never seen an animal on a plane. Don't they go underneath in the hold? I don't know what goes on. Uh, but there, yeah, Fred, the miniature horse travelling uh, in first class. That's the bit that gets me. You should be back there in economy, man. Not having that. Jason Manford on Absolute Radio. Where real music 
Matters. Tommy Tiernan's here. I, I am. He's here. God bless all, you. All of me. Very nice for you to come in. It's very nice to have me. <laughs> it is. It's, uh, nice uh, to be in an industrial estate in the outskirts of Manchester. <laughs> That's how we work. Eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. I know. <laughs> I always make sure I ask people mid-afternoon because in mid-afternoon you're awake. Sure. You think, oh, that'll sound all right, yeah. but it's come Sunday morning. Theoretically, you should ask people to come on the show at the same time that the show is going to be on <laughs> so that they have a notion of, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, what? <laughs> Well, I got a text last night from John Bishop saying, uh, "Let him have a lie in." I won't, I won't put the expletive in that he put. No, in there. Uh, and there was just a photo of you and him out in a cigar bar or something. In well, we Liverpool. found this um, uh, right beside the hotel where I was staying. I, li- I like smoking cigars, you know. Mm. Um, and I've, I never smoked. Uh, I took up smoking cigars when I was forty-five. I thought. All oh, right, <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other way around, rather than yeah, yeah. giving up. I thought I'd get at least twenty years out of it before it becomes an issue, and. Um, <laughs> So we would all have grown up in bars that were filled with cigarette smoke. Yeah. Um, and just to find this place last night where we were allowed to drink whiskey and they gave us a cigar and it was fantastic. It sounds like you were like three schoolboys who found uh, found somewhere to be naughty. It was all it's just us and other Liverpool gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Who else is going in there? <laughs> That sounds like a fun Mo night. Salah wasn't dropping in for a, <laughs> a long Cuban to celebrate a hundred appearances. Like, this was scallywags. Yeah. <laughs> scallywags and rascals. Amazing, amazing. Uh, if you're up and about this morning, uh, well, so, somebody is already, so just messaged me to say, uh, Jason, this is Leslie. Uh, you, just before you came in, I just read a story about a miniature horse uh, called Fred who travels first class on American Airlines. I mean, it must be a very miniature horse. I mean, there's a little picture there uh, of the little horse. I, can't, I mean, it's not... When it says miniature, it's still a fair size. I can't, I can't make out the horse there. Where's the horse? Oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, yeah. Yeah, there he is. And is it, does the lady have some sort of um, disability or something? Well, can... I think it says here like, that it's like an emotional support animal. <laughs> now, I don't know what that means. Yeah. But some people yeah. are allowed like a little dog or something. To That's get what my through. wife declares me as. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie says, uh, I work for BA and we have service animals occasionally. They're guide dogs. Course, I can yeah. understand the guide dog. Yeah. That's a staple, isn't it, when it comes to uh, emotional support animals uh, and uh, and also animals that you, you, know, you literally need to get by. Um, she says they're quite often in first class. Um, often people from Arab backgrounds bring falcon birds in fa- in first class as an emotion, emotional animal, and they have, they get their own seats. Is that a kind of the Arabian equivalent of bring your own bottle? <laughs> you have to eat it halfway through the flight. Bring your own bird. Crikey! Um, There's some things going on in this world I've not been aware of. But it's also how how would you justify or or explain to people what the emotional support is? Yeah, you know. Uh, um, that's very, very strange, now, to be is, honest. Yeah. Is there a cut-off with animal? Like, can you literally pick whatever animal you want to be your emotional support? <laughs> can you be like, well, it's just a leopard and I just find <laughs> I can't get through a flight without it? Like, is there, yeah. There's got to be a rule, hasn't there? You can't just pick any animal as an emotional support, surely. I'm trying to, try, I'm trying to think about it. Like, <laughs> people couldn't object to you bringing a sheep. Sheep's uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's cuddly, isn't it? I get that. Look, we're not belittling that people who need uh, an emotional support animal, but I, there's got yeah. to be some sort of a rule here where you can't just pick any animal you want. So it has to be an animal capable of a relationship. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that would make sense. 
A duck. <laughs> a duck would be... A duck would be nice. Tough. Who knows ducks? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, there you go. We've learnt something new this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday mornings, 8 till 11. Jason Manford on Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. Noel Gallagher on Absolute Radio. That was Noel Gallagher? Yeah, Blue Moon I Rising. Was listening to the end of that going, who... Wow. Yeah. Blue Moon Rising, obviously a little Man City reference there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, wow. God, he's a, football a ver- today. he's a versatile young man. <laughs> he's going places, that guy. He's going places. Uh, 8, 12, 15 on the text uh, this morning. Uh, Tommy Tiernan here through to 11 o'clock. He's uh, at the Lowry tonight. A few tickets left in the uh, the upper stalls, like right at the back, but it's still worth going. Yeah, that's where the stage is. Isn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an upper, upper stall uh, show. Uh, you've got St Albans, that's sold out. Then Bath, Nottingham, Red. In Southampton Pool, London at the Apollo, Northampton, London again, that's sold out, Alexandra Palace, Newcastle, uh, and then up to uh, Scotland um, at the end of the year, October, November. Yeah, we had a great time touring Scotland. Um, we tour by train, you know, which yeah. I find is the best. So we'd kind of put into the station and tell a few jokes. We wanted the next time. It's been great though, because uh, the amount of years you've spent on motorways kind of go, my God, there must be a better way of living than this. Yeah, yeah. And the trains are just fantastic. Um, a very, very enjoyable way of, of... And England is a mighty country. Yeah, there's a lot going mighty. on. Mighty. It's beautiful, isn't it, how uh, those train windows? Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of England. <laughs> We've done all right. <laughs> I, say that, I say that as a peasant from one of the colonies, but I'm proud of England. <laughs> and, and why is there a big gap between uh, you finishing in March and kicking off in October? Because Derry Girls. Yes. Uh, the next series of Derry Girls starts recording in April. There's been a bit um, of a hiatus, hasn't there? Been a bit, bit of a long yeah. gap, yeah. And I don't know why that is. Um, I imagine it's because Lisa McGee, the writer, wanted to make sure the stories were good enough. Yeah, yeah. I imagine, I don't know, maybe, maybe it isn't, maybe she's... Where did that come from, though? Because you've, I mean, acting isn't the first thing that we think of you. Obviously, as a stand-up comedian. Mm. Um, although, you know, we, two massive Irish sitcoms and you've been a yeah. part of it, haven't you, Father Ted as um, well? I was in the very, very last episode of Father Ted. Mm. Uh we finished recording on uh, Friday and Dermot died on the Saturday. Crikey, that's crazy. And um, there was a scene we had to do, people probably aren't very familiar with the episode, but there was a scene where uh, we got a, Ted got a parish in America and I was very sad in the room. Mm. And um, he kept uh, uh, he kept wanting to dance. So he kept doing this kind of, and he, he had a bit of a belly. Dermot, God be good to him. He uh, had a bit of a belly. <laughs> and... Uh, I kept getting the lines wrong, so I kept he kept out dancing and dancing and dancing and dancing. <laughs> and uh, he, he says, I can't do this anymore. I don't feel well. This isn't good. I really don't feel well. But, I, I, but it took me a few other, other scenes, to, a few other goals to get the scene right. And then he died the following night of a heart attack. And then at the funeral, <laughs> somebody came up to me and said, you killed Father Ted. <laughs> <laughs> If only they got those lines right first time. Yeah. So, um, and the the Derry Girls thing came about when I just happened to be in London, and um, uh, my agent phone up and said, "Look, there's a this sitcom. You, you're here. Do you want to go in?" And they had a, an initially written for a Northern Ireland dad, mm. uh, but they, uh, I said, I don't. Th- I'd be wouldn't trust. I can do accents, mm. but I couldn't maintain an accent. Yes. So I could... Surrounded by other people who've actually got the accent. <laughs> totally. I could start off 
here's a gun there now you go but before we don't I'd be well now I don't really know if that yeah. is my problem yeah. so we go all around the world yeah I know yeah I've done that great so that, that's how I ended up doing that it's a great show isn't it that's I mean, wild it's, it's a wild show did you know when you were doing it that you were in a special show no um, I you can only go on first instinct so mm. the first instinct was the script is funny. Yeah. And after that then, you're in the lap of the gods, like, you know. Um, I still think one of the funniest things, one of the wildest things I have ever seen on a television screen is when, it's in the first series, when the girls go following a dog into a church. Yes. And the dog goes upstairs and the girls go downstairs and they're praying to the Virgin Mary <laughs> and the dog pees and the, <laughs> yeah. the pee comes down through the roof and rolls down the Virgin Mary's face and the girls <laughs> think the Virgin is crying. But, that is, I mean, you'd be shot for that yeah, in, in Ireland in the eighties. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's I I was I was I watched the I hadn't seen that scene. I'm in a hotel watching it on on a, on a computer. I I nearly threw the computer off the bed. I was going, <laughs> Holy Mother of God! <laughs> it does. It does. Wild. All just along the line, though, doesn't it? Of what is sort of uh, tasteful and acceptable, yeah. and it's so warm and funny. The characters, but also deals with some big, you know, some big issues as well that were affecting people at that time. Of course, yeah. Um, but it's just it's, it's the it's the wildness of the humour, and you, if you're going to have something sad, you have to have done something to deserve it. Mm. So that great scene at the end of series one, where I may mean, I say great scene, we're yeah. watching the Oma bombing. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so great scene in virtual comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um people only responded to that because they'd been made laugh. Yeah, you don't it. Yeah. It's like that remember the um it's on a different scale now. Remember the last episode of Black Adder, I oh, think. Oh of course, yeah. Where the where the guys go over the top mm. and they slow it down and and they're not playing for laughs, you know, and but they were able to do that because they had um Made people laugh. Yeah. For I, I do that in my stand-up show. Uh, a very emotional ending. <laughs> really spin, spin it on its head right at the end. Yeah, I sing. I sing. Um, uh, you, you, uh, what we do is uh, <laughs> we we take on um, a, an orphan comes on. Yeah. Towards the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one's expecting it. No comedy is unexpected. And I, and I sing. You never walk alone from, and that's the. <laughs> But I can, only, I can only do that because I've made them laugh for the previous hour. Exactly. <laughs> well, if you want to see that, guys, Tommy is on tour now. I'm also, I, I can't afford to take an orphan with me uh, from town to town, so I would spend the rest of the day looking for one. Uh, <laughs> now, it doesn't have to be... A, people often think orphans are young, but they're not. A lot of older people don't have any parents. <laughs> I had an argument with my wife last night. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> with my wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, well, it was one of those things, Tommy. I don't know if you've, if you've ever been drunk before. Uh, once, but I was at my first Holy Communion, so <laughs> I, was, I was given a pass. <laughs> so it was one of those situations where she'd been at a house party somewhere mm. uh, you know, with her friends. I was at work. I was up in Blackpool finishing the show and coming home. And uh, just before you go on, is this yeah. the appropriate forum for yeah, uh, yeah, a, a discussion just... about a row with you? you? Had your wife last night? Yeah, we'll see. Public radio. Let's okay. see what Greg, happens. Greg, Let's see what happens. Well, I just want to get your take on it here. Let's roll these dice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I'm hoping she's still asleep and she's not listening. Yeah. But hey, we'll see what happens. So this is what happened, right? So I come home and you know how belligerent people are when they're drunk? Like oh, yeah. fully, like, correct, yeah. you know, in, uh, in and, everything. And looking for money. <laughs> <laughs> So I get back and, I, and we've got plans tomorrow. We've got, a, we've got some stuff on, we've got to go to London, we've got a meeting, we've got all these different things going on. And for some reason, at one o'clock last night, ha- she was hammered, I was sober. She wanted to know the logistics of Monday, of what we, of the train times, wh- where the meeting was, where we were going. I was going, I don't want to waste my time telling you all this information because you will have forgotten this in the morning and so what's the point I'm tired I want to go to sleep anyway so let's just leave it <sighs> but in the end I had to just like I was getting National Rail apps out trying to work out train times it was unbelievable like to a point where we had an argument I know you, Jason you just have to surrender <sighs> you've, you've heard the term a surrendered wife <laughs> that's, that's what you are <laughs> I, I just and then of course I'm lying there in a mood she's <sighs> gone yeah Gone. And then woke up this morning. She's like, oh, have a nice time at the radio. I'm like, you don't remember, you don't any, remember, you don't remember any of it, do yeah. you? I, d- I, I, I'm, I get quite turned on by coming home uh, sober uh, when my wife is drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like meeting a tramp. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, somehow floozy <laughs> walking around the house drunk in a nightdress. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't that. No, no. <laughs> it was whatever the opposite of that was. I, I got chatting to my wife one time uh, about acting, and she said to me, um, "On no, under no conditions, under no circumstances, if you get a part in a in a play or a film, are you ever allowed to kiss somebody?" Oh, never. She said. Um, I says, "Why not? What's in the part? You're just not allowed to do it." I says, "Why not?" She said. She said because you will be actually kissing them. Like if you if you're in a movie if you're stabbing somebody mm. you're only pretending to stab them. Of course, uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, you are actually literally kissing that person, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm not allowed. Um, uh, I'm not allowed. What could your take on that? Is there is that a, a thing in your house? Are well, you... I uh, I I kiss a girl in the show that I'm in at the moment in curtains at the end of that, but it's very you know. I mean, by that point, we're it's knackered. It's very professional. It's very professional. No tongs are slipped in. There's no cheeky gropes from either yeah. of us. No, I, I guess you... I, I never even asked, to be honest. I just... Just did it? I just did it, yeah. I didn't yeah. go, oh, is it all right if what, this happened? What, what type of a kiss is it at the it's end? It's like at the end of a big sort of four-minute song and dance routine. So you, and then we, so you deserve a kiss at the end of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Off anyone. You wrecked. Yeah, Fred. Where's my uh, emotional support horse? I'll kiss anyone. I um yeah, it's like you know she goes. In, I put her into a dip and uh, then bring her back up and we and we have like a, a sheep kiss like a sheep <laughs> dip. Yes, exactly. That. It's a very weird show. Um, Stump her into a horse <laughs> horse trough, lift her back up again. <laughs> but it's um, yeah, I just didn't I didn't mention it. I didn't mention it. Although weirdly, the one yeah. thing that you don't when you're doing these shows is you very rarely rehearse a kiss. So, because you you, all, you just assume that, well, the kiss, and then the kiss happens. So, how, how, how long is the kiss? Oh, it's like a, do you want me to do it to you? Is that what you were saying? <laughs> I can't work out where this is going. <laughs> um, it's like a... I tell you where it's going, trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe three seconds. 
That's just that's long enough. That, it's long enough. Feels long. But yeah. at that point, you've just done this. Um, so you're basically breathing out your ass because you're sort of <laughs> you're sort of like you're, you're kissing, but you're going. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what's happening. He's just been dancing for non-stop. So it's not, there's no romance involved. Okay. It's just resting our lips against each other. This could be foreheads, elbows, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, um, I get nothing out of it. Jason Manford. Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. Tommy Tiernan is my guest this morning. It's the uh, local women I feel sorry for today. Oh, really? What's yeah. that? Because well, it's International Women's oh, of Day. Of course, yeah. It's the, uh, <laughs> They've been forgotten about. The local women are just ignored. This, yeah, it's yes. all very well for these international women jetting around the place. But what about someone who's never left Salford? Where, where is, <laughs> when is her coronation? It's her day. It's, uh, it's the day that Richard Herring spends on Twitter replying and finding men who write, well, when is International Men's Day? Because uh, lots of men write this on the, yeah. with no irony, and Richard Herring, the comedian, replies November the nineteenth. <laughs> it is an actual, oh, it is it an really? actual International Men's Day, apparently. Yeah. So, um, um, I, uh, is it a day for flowers today? Is that, is that how you or um, I don't know. What do you? How, how do you celebrate it? I don't know. I guess uh, do the women walk around dressed in military fatigues <laughs> <laughs> today? Is it a kind of like? A, is it a, yeah? Is it a militia day or is it a, <laughs> they're taking over? <laughs> yeah. Finally. It does sound like a slightly um, a communist festival, International Women's Day. In what way? It's, it's the kind of thing they'd have in North Korea. Right. Uh, but obviously they don't. No, absolutely no, no. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I guess it, Valentine's Day is easy because it's flowers. You know, birthday is flowers, Christmas is flowers. Is, pa- <laughs> is it patronising flowers on International Women's Day? That'd be my worry. You know what I mean, would they be like, what, what is this? Yeah. So, you know, weapons, is that what you're suggesting? I think maybe like low grade weaponry. Just in case they do form a militia and go, do you know what? Men have been, we've spoiled this world. We're taking over. Yeah. Which is essentially what the day is. To yeah. so go, do you know what? Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Do, uh, we, I mean, so, so, do we still get to watch the match this afternoon, though? Uh, I mean, part that, of the... this is what goes on in in your house. Thankfully, my wife is a big football fan, so it is very much on in our house. But. Uh, <laughs> Depends how much you're into it. Well, also, it also depends how much how serious you're taking this coronavirus. Because there's a there's a there's a difference for people who oh, yeah. don't care right through to people who've been to Sainsbury's and bought all the toilet rolls. Well, they've uh, uh, they have discovered uh, the vaccine for it in Ireland, uh, but it won't be ready until May. Right, it's called uh, the summer. <laughs> <laughs> it is a weird thing, though, isn't it? People have gone for it, haven't they? In the, uh, it, it, I mean, obviously in Italy now they've they've locked down yeah. like parts of the parts of the country. But here, what what I want to know is what is it about a pandemic? What is it about stockpiling that people have to buy toilet rolls? What there's nothing in the symptoms that says you're going to need extra loo roll. The toilet rolls are you can't get one. They're, they're, they're limiting them to two per person in some of these shops now. Uh, is it is it because people have a fear of being quarantined and that's what it is. Dirty bums. Maybe that's what it is. You're stuck in a house. That's the one thing in it. But if you're not buying any food, you're not going to need the toilet roll. It's so. funny, you know, in all those uh, post apocalyptic movies like The Road and yeah. Mags Max Furry Road and all that type <laughs> of stuff, there, there's very, the, the one bit of detail they're missing really is the <laughs> toilet paper situation. I've never What's seen What's going that. on? I, I, I don't remember seeing Tom Hardy <laughs> as they were hurtling across the desert. There's some Andrex behind it. No toilet paper. I'm. Uh, 
I, I started the week going, oh, people are going crazy. And then I ended the week thinking, maybe I should pop to Costco. Yeah. <laughs> Get some beans and toilet rolls. I've, I've just uh, cut down on pooing. Oh, that's a good shout. <laughs> that's a good shout. Well, do you know, I was recently... I just do once a week now, and I find... <laughs> well, I was recently in the... <laughs> I was recently in the Middle East, and I've got to say, the old uh, poo pipe, you know the hose next to the loo that they oh, have yeah. out there, yeah. that you spray on your bum hole... I'm into it. I'm thinking of getting one put in the house. And it, it, it negates the need for... You don't need pit. the toilet roll then, do you? Yeah. Because you're cleaning, you're like jet washing your bum. I suppose with a lot of people though, their, uh, their hose would be outside the house. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it's a hell of an extension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm there just pumping out back, clean bum. <laughs> why has that not been a thing over here? Why have we not, why have we not looked over there and gone, do you know what, that's actually a better system than toilet roll. Uh, I would suggest that maybe uh, their water is naturally warmer than ours. Well, there is an element of that, yes. And I do remember there's actual um, there's a little faucet on it to, to to guide the pressure as well. Do not start on full pressure. That would be my <laughs> you, my goodness. You're farting bubbles for a week. It was a surprise. But it's a great little system if you've ever used it. Just for people who don't know, if you've never been out there, um, it's just a little hose next to the toilet instead of toilet roll, and you just. Feed it in, and you just give you a little bum hole, little spread. And how do you dry your bottom? I, I mean, I just, I just drip dried to be honest, because I was in a hotel room, <laughs> and I thought, well, it's my room, isn't it? Do what I yeah. want. But um, I don't know what you do out and about. But then it gets so hot, isn't it, that you dry in no time? Right. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Jason, Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. So Tommy Tiernan's on tour at the moment. Uh, Tom Foolery tour 2020, uh, all of March, and then uh, back up in Scotland, October and November. Um, and I saw you last year. I felt like it was last year, wasn't it? Something... In April, I think, yeah. down in London, yeah. So you've turned another tour around in that short amount of time. That's impressive work. Yeah, I, I wonder how much we do without pressure, though. Do you know? Uh, and it, it's, yeah. um, And kind of forcing yourself into a corner. I I know that I never actually uh, wanted a job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I kind of, but I'm a devil for loading myself with too much work. Right, devil for it. Oh well, same here. You know, it's and when you're looking at a calendar, something in something in me panics when I see loads of loads of empty days. Oh, uh, I can't deal. So I kind of what I've. Myself and my wife have decided is that she is now going to decide what work I'm going to do <laughs> because she's much better at it. Yes, you yeah. know, um, and that idea of uh, not working when the kids are off school—I mean, mm. that's a that's a fantastic framework to build the year around. You know? Yes, um, but I'm a, a f- very easily find myself just filling up. You know, yeah, I try and do the same. I try and take half terms off and and, and, the, and the summer holidays you know. off and Christmas and stuff. It is, I, and in fact, I had a job next Christmas that I was signed up to do. Uh, and then after our show got transferred into the West End, Christmas just gone. I said I can't lose two Christmases on the bounce. So I'm gonna have to cancel. Yeah, that I think the thing, the thing that men do is we, we're, we're devils for work. You know, mm. devils for for. Uh, do you think there's spinning. still something in us, like innate sort of some primate thing back in, from back thousands of years ago that makes you go, oh, oh, must work, must get food. <laughs> That's exactly how the. Uh, the uh, the voice in my head sounds. <laughs> and when my wife says to me, you're working too hard, that's the voice I reply in. <laughs> but I mean, my wife's the same though. She's, she works so like so much, so hard. We've both got to keep having a word with each other. So I go, right, do you know what? We need to step back. We both can't work at this pace. Is it a and- fear of poverty? 
Well, that's certainly what keeps me going, I must say. I think when you've when you've had Nout, you don't want Nout again. You know, and I think that's... Sounds proper, that sounds proper. <laughs> <laughs> when you've had Nout. That's a, fan, that's a fantastic working class northern English prime minister addressing the nation. <laughs> when you've had Nout, you want to go back to Nout. <laughs> But I think that's definitely part of it, you know. For me, I think, crikey, that's that wasn't fun. I don't want to be hiding around, a, hiding behind the sofa when a bailiff's knocking at the door like my dad had to. Yeah, that's that was not a fun day. The funny thing is, though, I um, when I left school, I spent eight years on the dole and loved it. <laughs> right, really, really yeah, loved yeah. it. Um, we were all living on like thirty-three pounds a week. Um, was there a little community of yours though that sort of helped each other out? The entire town of Galway (laughs) was on the dole. (laughs) One of the jokes was even the woman who gave you the dole was on the dole. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was, but it was fantastic. But I was young, you know, I had a baby as well, you know, Mm. I just found it and took care of it. (laughs) (laughs) I had a kid, you know, and... um, uh, it never bothered me that we were raising this child on the dole. We... Mm. I remember one time we, um, our landlord threw us out of the house and we, we moved to a house uh, 10 doors down and we moved with a shopping trolley. We, <laughs> took, a, we, we took a shopping trolley from Tesco <laughs> and <laughs> transporting cushions, <laughs> kettles and plates. It took us a day and a half, but we did it. it was, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, for me, I'm not sure it's the fear of poverty. For me, I think it's just... Um, a uh, fear of being emotionally responsible. Mm. I think the more I stay at home, uh, yeah. the more I have to deal with real things. Yes. Because if I'm on the road, I just be yeah. that, think, thinking of jokes and what will I say, basic, yeah. what will I have for dinner. Yeah, I must say I've not got that because my wife's amazing at being able to work fully but also be emotionally engaged at home with kids and, and, yeah. and me and everything. You know, whereas I, after if I take a fortnight off or if I just happen to have a fortnight off, after three days, you know, I'm like sat in my pants eating cornflakes and staring out the window while they're all getting ready for school and work yeah. and whatever. And she, my wife just says to me, find something to do. Get a job. I can't, I'm not looking at this face every day. But you have, you have to be allowed to collapse. Oh, absolutely, yeah. After working. Yes. You know, so uh, I, if, if you were married to me, Jason, and yeah. you were sitting on your underpants eating cornflakes, I would say, that man deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> Jason. Salute Radio. Manford. Where real music matters. Tommy Tiernan's here. Definitely 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 here. Uh, Hi, Jason and Tommy. This is from Kevin in London, but originally from Meath Hill in Meath. Oh, yeah. 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 Tommy's home county. Very disreputable part of the county, uh, full of 'er ne'er-do-wells. Oh, really? uh, Rascals, yeah. Well, Kevin sounds like he could be. I wouldn't trust him at all. (laughs) He says, we're about to head out to a garden centre for breakfast. That doesn't sound like what a ne'er-do-well would do. Well, he's going there to eat plants. (laughs) Hold on a minute. (laughs) This this text is about to take a turn and it might even confirm your viewpoint on that whole town, yeah. He says, we're going to head out to a garden centre for breakfast, very rock and roll, but I've just self-tested myself on a breathalyzer and I'm still over the limit from last night after karaoke at a Korean bar in South Malden. This is a guy who's got a breathalyzer at home. That's a very, um, that uh, that's a very sad story to me because that seems to me that the, all the Irishness has left that man because <laughs> self breathalyzing. That's what he's doing. Now. That is not the green way. That is <laughs> that's a tragic consequence of living in a society where manners 
and uh, social <laughs> protocol have taken importance. <laughs> well, it That's sounds an like awful he, thing. a self breathalyzer. He's got one at home, but I, I'd say you've got a problem, Kevin, because I wouldn't yeah. even, it wouldn't even cross my mind to buy one. I just assess it. <laughs> isn't go, your, isn't your hand a kind of a self breathalyzer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just breathe into your palm, and if the smell <laughs> bothers you. Stay home. <laughs> Definitely don't drive. Um, so the garden centre's cancelled now because of this self-breathalyzer and his kids hate him because they're all sat eating cornflakes instead. No, the kids hate you because you were drunk last night, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't there cars now that um, won't let you drive them uh, unless you're drunk? Oh, yes, I've read Unless you're drunk, yeah. Yeah, I've read that. I've read that now. They kind of self-breathalyze. You, you have to breathe into a pipe in the car. I think it's a good idea for some people. I mean, it wouldn't... Wouldn't, wouldn't bother you bother me because I yeah. you know, don't really uh, drink but uh, hmm. uh, he's going to see you though on Saturday uh, front row he says Southampton oh dear <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on better behaviour then as I'm driving home he says so. alright okay I'll keep my eye for the sober bloke in the front row <laughs> Jason. Jason Absolute Radio Manford where real music matters do you ever look at older men yes <laughs> Now, it upsets them. Uh, I used to take uh, uh, I take my younger boys uh, swimming, you know. Mm. And um, they're of an age where my if my wife takes them, she can take them into the ladies' changing room. Yes. But when they're with me, they come into the men's changing room and they... What an education that is. Oh, my God. The nine-year-old nearly... This fella came out of the shower. The nine-year-old, he nearly fell <laughs> off. <laughs> Couldn't believe just the... Even the sound of it as he was, your man was walking yeah. across, just <laughs> slapping off, flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, flop. No flip flops on. <laughs> no flip flops on. <laughs> um, and uh, I find myself, uh, okay, I was on holiday recently and there was a few older fellas by the pool, you know, in the tighty, really tight trunks. And I've definitely found myself recently looking at older men mm. uh, in all their glory yes. and thinking, and genuinely going, yeah, I'll take that. Like, if, if I end up looking which, which, like him... Which bit of... Oh, physically? Like, physically, I think yeah. I'd have... That's the sort of old fella I, I'd be happy with. And what, what is that? Like, even just thing? a little... Like, you know, he's got a little belly on him. Nothing, yeah. You know, he's still got his hair. Yeah. You know, but it's like like white. I'm after that. I mean, like a, maybe like a Kenny Rogers-style beard, I'd take that as well. Yeah. Um, but then other, other times I see older fellas, like, hooped over, you know... Over with the the hump or whatever, and you know, I just think, oh no, I wouldn't fancy that. Okay, yeah. So I find myself just judging essentially older men on what I would take when in the next sort of forty years. I'd like to be like my I've a huge bald spot, so that the hair thing has gone for me. But right. I would love uh, quite a, a pendulous scrotum. Oh really, <laughs> really? Yeah, that <laughs> just just down there. I just I would like that. I don't know. It's kind of um, pendulous in as. Much as it tells the time, or like it has, it has got a counterweight, just a counterweight to keep you balanced. Wow, what a lovely image! Yeah, lovely. I just think as a kind of um, as a reward for a hard life, <laughs> if I just had some kind of a I just to think what what will testicular happen. trophy. <laughs> well, I dread to think, but eight twelve fifteen is the text. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to say hello this morning, uh, be nice to hear from you. We were talking earlier about the uh, the, the the Asian style uh, Lou situation with the 
the the, the, the hose that yeah. cleans your bum hole. Marcus message saying, uh, Jason and Tommy, um, after trips to North Africa and Turkey, we had one of those toilet hoses installed in our WC at home. The plumber admitted he'd never fitted one before, but said they're getting increasingly popular here in the UK. I had a near-death experience the first time using it without working out the pressure and temperature, oh, yeah. like a dirty version of waterboarding, is what he's <laughs> called it. You could probably drown, could you, if you... If you're... What, backwards up? Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> See, I... <laughs> I don't know, can you? We should try it. <laughs> There'll be someone somewhere. Yeah. Crikey, what a way to go. That'd be end up me. I'll end up dying in a comedy way, so even at my funeral, people are a little chuckle. Be nice memories to leave us with. You know, <laughs> anal drowning. Oh, well, there's nowhere to go, really. Let's, let's, go, let's go. Adverts and songs. Mass, let's go to mass. <laughs> Manford. Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. Someone has messaged us on uh, Twitter. Uh, Tony says, uh, Jason, Tommy, um, all very well and good, the idea of this uh, water pipe next to the loo to replace. It's just, we're not getting through that at all, are we? <laughs> not getting through. People are obsessed with it now. Uh, but he says, what would happen in the UK when the annual hose pipe ban comes in? <laughs> Smelly bums. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Martin in Fairham says I was at a shopping mall in Thailand it had a, a bar where when you went to the loo the actual toilet came out of a wall you did your business it washed your bum then dried it then retracted back into the wall yeah but what he's left out of that is that wasn't a machine it was a, a person <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Matt in Southampton Hi Jason and Tommy At work today uh, Picking up a trailer From Huntington Looking forward to Seeing you both In Southampton Very soon uh, Tommy you're there Actually next week Aren't you The 14th yeah, of I, March I'm in a place called Pool Oh yeah you're there as well On St Patrick's Day Oh Which would be interesting um, they're, they're banning I think St Patrick's Day In Ireland Because of the coronavirus Oh uh, is it not No well, I say banning is I was the say, wrong word. Yeah, uh, they're uh, <laughs> suggesting people don't have parades. Oh, okay. And how's that working out for Ireland? Uh, but the, the the parade really was just, uh, I suppose, in Ireland historically, it was just a kind of a moving queue. <laughs> <laughs> it was just people walking down the street. There was no real, you know. Um, and once you got to the end, then you formed part of the crowd. <laughs> They can't ban St Patrick's Day, surely. Well, I well, you know, everything. I'm, but I'm, but I'm curious about it is uh, often on Paddy's Day, you know, when you're Irish and around the world, they said, oh, you know, you, you play a big place, you know, so we'll, oh, we'll put you in London or New mm. York on Paddy's Day, but uh, pool is where I'll be. Pool, Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> big Irish community down there. Oh, uh, Probably, yeah. Only people on witness protection programs. <laughs> Uh, Nathan has messaged in uh, says uh, what gave you the idea for your Irish talk show uh, that you do so tell us tell people who might not know what, what it entails it's slightly different to your normal talk show isn't it yeah so I was in Hull staying in a kind of slightly run down hotel um, I was a little bit I was either drunk or depressed <laughs> <laughs> not both one or the other I can't remember and I just um, I was thinking, oh jeez do I want to be doing this for the rest of my life and then uh I love conversation mm. and I'm always curious about where conversation can go and um, how people who don't feel as if they're creative have the opportunity to be creative in conversation. Yeah. And it's such a simple uh, thing that's open to everybody. 
So I had this notion then, and it, when I got the idea, it, I, I started laughing. And the idea was that it's a chat show, but I don't know who the guest is until they walk on. Right. Uh, the audience don't know who the guest is until they walk on. It's not announced uh, in the papers who the guests are going to be for that night's chat show. Right. Um, and the idea of that just made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I brought it to uh, a radio producer in Ireland and it made him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we did four episodes and then I took it to the national broadcaster and they said, absolutely. So we've done four series. The last episode of the last series was on last night. Um, and that's that's the idea. I do three guests per show. And what sort of guests would you have on? People that everybody knows or? It's a, it's a, it's a mixture. So say we've had, uh, I've had the President of Ireland has been mm-hmm. on. Uh, I've had Eddie Izzard has been on. Um, Roisin Murphy was on from Maloko, phenomenal. Adam Clayton. And then I get a fella who uh, lived without money for three years. Oh, okay. Um, so I've had nuns on. but So basically there's a mix of the known and the unknown. Right. Um, and people have just really taken to the premise. So because I don't know who it's going to be, I can't prepare any questions. So it's entirely dependent on the ability to have... Like, but the conversations we're having yeah, are spontaneous. You know, yes. So there's no... It's not that it's a phenomenally difficult thing. No. It's just that, I guess, television producers are slightly afraid of it, you know. Afraid of the uh, unknown and the uncontrollable. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um, it's a tough show to do in the sense that you get nervous and you can't prepare. Yes. But uh, it's really landed. People people love it. Four series in what, yeah. already. So um, there's no... I mean, Nathan says, how do, how do you prepare when he doesn't know who the guests are? I guess there's no, there's no way. Uh, you, you get nervous is how you prepare. And what you do is <laughs> you, you get it into your head... Uh, that, you know, uh, Ainsley Harriet is, is coming on. Right. You just, you just convince yourself for a reason. You just saw him knocking around Somewhat, town. Something's going into your head and then you're just despondent because you've nothing to say to him. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you prepare. And then, of course, it's never Ainsley. He's never no. available. <laughs> He's a busy man. He's a busy man. Mark says, uh, do you think the chat show uh, or the format would uh, work elsewhere in the world, in the UK or America? I or? think it... I, I think it w- would definitely work in England, but you would need somebody who... So part of the thrill of the chat show in Ireland is that the Irish public have an awareness of who I am. Yeah. So they're interested to see the conversation I might have with Adam Clayton or something mm-hmm. like that. And you need, a, you need a host who is able to improvise and keep a conversation going. So I... I the, the first person off the top of my head, I was thought, geez, I've seen Frank Skinner do... Um, oh, yeah. Dealing and Skinner unplanned and mm. Frank's a very kind of genial man. I thought it was someone like Frank Skinner would be able yeah, to do it. Yeah, he'd be good, yeah. Um, but no other country has ever taken You've it You've got up. to get that format sold, mate. No one wants to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, people don't... Um, That's crazy. Uh, I think if I did it in England, I'm not sure English people don't know me well enough to be able to, mm. you know, um, be excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> Music matters. Uh, Donald Trump's former doctor has revealed he used to put vegetables in the US president's mashed potato in a failed effort to help him lose weight. You know, like you do with your kids, where you try and hide like vegetables in the sauce. You put he puts more food into the food. <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> Trump's former doctor hid vegetables in his food to help him lose weight. Dr Ronnie Jackson, who is now running to be a Republican congressman, has also said he wanted to introduce exercise, exercise machines into the White House. His goal was to help Mr Trump shed between 10 and 15 pounds. Is he heavy, Trump? Like, is he a big man? He's a unit, isn't he? Is he? Is he, though? Yeah, I reckon. I mean, he looks tall, but... Yeah, is he carrying a bit of a belly on him? He's quite dense, isn't he? I mean, physically and <laughs> <laughs> emotionally. But yeah, I'd say so, yeah. He doesn't look like the... He doesn't look healthy, does he? Uh, no, no, he doesn't. He, he's kind of a... He, he's a Florida wealth look about him. <laughs> yes, yes. Golf's not exercise, is it? Um, not the way he plays it in the in the carts. It's not going to be. He's not going to be walking for eighteen holes, is it? Yeah, but it's, it's still moving, though. It is a bit of moving, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Doctor Jackson told the New York Times that one of his biggest regrets about leaving his position was not being able to follow through with his regime for the president, who had put on four pounds by his next checkup. Uh, he but said, he's old as well, Trump, isn't he? He's like in his seventies or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I think you should be able to get fat when you're old, even if you're the president. Not, you know. Do you think uh, there's a point where you just go right? Just not be worrying about idiots walking around putting vegetables into your potatoes. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no peace in this world. A man becomes president of the free world, and there's still some dude wandering around <laughs> making him eat vegetables. <laughs> Yeah, if the president's not allowed to eat what he wants, what hope is, is there for the rest is, of us? Yeah. <laughs> That's so, but I mean, I do that with my kids. Like, I, I'm always hiding like vegetables in the uh, in the bolognese <laughs> in their beds. <laughs> they wake up, parsnip on the pillow. Uh, stick around after ten o'clock here on Absolute Radio. Eight twelve fifteen is the text if you want to say hello to me and Tommy this morning. This is Jason this is absolute radio where real music matters i actually found your name the other day tommy on the uh, comedy carpet up in blackpool do you what, know what is that do you not know the comedy carpet so no. the comedy carpet is this massive uh, in uh, art installation essentially with every comic who's my goodness. Ever gigged essentially in 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 the UK uh, is on the carpet in some form. Is, it, is it in alphabetical order? It's in it is in alphabetical order around the sides. Yeah, I found your name who, on there. Who, who am I between? Um let's, I'll tell you now. You're in a sort of a um let me find you. You're in the middle somewhere. Basically look I'll show you the picture. You if you're listening at home you'll have to just google it. But that's from the top I was on the top of the Blackpool Tower looking down. And what they've got is my goodness, millions of quotes from uh, comedians and uh, you know, uh, what a fantastic thing! Over the, look, that's, I mean, that's just people stood on it, so you can see yeah, the size yeah. of it. Honestly, you can spend three hours on that easily. It's fantastic. Look, <laughs> looking for yourself, looking for yourself. Yeah, obviously, it's comics. Um, that's what that's that was your one. I found your one sort of weirdly at the, on the Who side. Am I near? You're near um, Bernard Wrigley. The, oh, Bernard Wrigley. Bernard Ber- <laughs> Wrigley. Billy Stutt. And uh, <laughs> and Tom Rigglesworth. So you know Tom, do you? Tom, I've good. heard Tom. Yeah. I've heard of Tom. Yes, I don't know the other two. The other two lads. But uh, I, I would be. I'm going to make it my job now this afternoon to find, <laughs> to find out. About, what the, can you remember their names again? Uh, uh, yes, it was uh, Bernard Wrigley, Bernard Wrigley, and Billy Stutt. Then there's stories they connected sound, to those guys. Oh, they, they sound like legends. <laughs> what a night out that would have been. For what a legend! Please welcome one of Billy Stutt. <laughs> Well, I'm between. I'm, mine is in alphabetical order, and I'm yeah. in between Burden Manning and Ruth Maddock. Oh, so that's a hell of a th- what a triple bill that was. I once found myself uh, sitting in a hotel bar room uh, between Eddie Izzard and Roy Chubby Brown. 
Wow. And I just thought, yeah, I'll settle for that. <laughs> That's a hell of a night. That's a hell but of a night. That, that, to me, that kind of, uh, uh, my style veers from one to the other. <laughs> <laughs> Bit, bit chubby, a bit edgy. <laughs> <laughs> totally, that's great. Well, I, I was, I've been in Blackpool this week, and, and in the UK, Blackpool is, you know, very much considered the, uh, the, uh, the well, certainly in the north, it feels very much like the sh- our little showbiz capital. It's got a, a rich history and heritage of, of entertainment there. And is it still a vibrant place in terms of all that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, we're there off season, so okay. it wasn't, it wasn't quite as, as, as happening as it usually is. And when, when is when is on season? I guess it's once the summer hits, really. Okay, once, yeah. yeah, but it's. Uh, it's still very busy over the summer. And it's sort of one of those places that's easy to sort of mock a little bit, but it's a yeah. top day out. Well, I went on that. We went to Pleasure Beach, went on a big roller coaster, up the tower, had a look at the ballroom, um, and I actually got all, my... All in freezing conditions. Oh, absolutely bitter. <laughs> absolutely bitter. <laughs> Kids crying because they're getting wind chill on the roller coaster. <laughs> but with coronavirus, this might be our only place to go for sure, holidays. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? If we're not allowed abroad anymore. Um... I uh, I had a, a, a huge honour this week. Actually, I was I was named on their the Blackpool Opera House uh, commemorative roll of honour, and they and put what is a, that? they basically put a, a they put an act on this uh, roll of honour every year for the last hundred and thirty years. Yeah. So someone who's played the venue or has had a, a an input into Blackpool entertainment in the last yeah, yeah, twelve yeah. months. So I was this year. Gary Barlow was last year. Peter Kay was the year before. Wow. And so I had a look on that. They've got a board here, 130 people on there. And it, obviously, as a comic, you, I want to go and look at that. Oh, my God, look, Charlie Chaplin's on there from 1904. Yeah. Uh, you've got uh, Terry Thomas, 1952. Tony Hancock, 54. Uh, Shirley Bassey, 61. Les Dawson, 88. They're the ones I want to go for. But my eyes are always drawn, drawn to Darren Day, 1996. He was on it twice. What what happened in the 90s here? Darren Day. I can't even remember Darren Day. Who's Darren Day again? Well, that's show business. Let's hope he comes <laughs> on your he? RTE show. Is he a blondie lad? Yeah, blonde entertainer, I guess. What, what, what else he does? There's some right mad people on here. Uh, Chubby Brown's on it, actually, 2007. Yeah. J- Jay McDonald, 2008. I feel like I'm in good... And then weirdly, then it goes, Bob Dylan, 2013. What? <laughs> it's a hell of a mix. It's a hell of a mix. And so your name is there forever? That's it. I'm on there now. Wow. I'm a, on there. I have my name on... Um, there's a, a list of people who were long-term unemployed in Galway. <laughs> <laughs> you get your name written in the pavement, but it's, just, it's, it's written with a stick on wet cement. <laughs> you must be at a point now in your career where people are like naming things after you, surely, or, or you're getting... Like diseases. A... <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Tiernanitis. Yeah. There must be, a, you know, there must, be, there must be a seat somewhere with your name on it or a... No, um, what they do in Ireland is they tend to, they tend to name roundabouts after you. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, roundabouts and small link roads in industrial estates. Uh, <laughs> that's the ultimate. Uh, or if you're very, a, a kind of a brand new uh, kind of working class housing estate, mm. you get that named after you. <laughs> Tommy Turnham Farm. Jason Manford. Absolute Radio. Uh, when you've grown up, Tommy, did you was confession a thing for you? Would you have done that on a yeah? Um, but my parents used to uh, make us confess to them. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. 
<laughs> yeah, they were, were, didn't trust the church, so my father set up his own little uh, confessional in the sitting room, turned off the lights and got us to crawl in on our knees and uh, whisper in his ear all the bad stuff we'd done. <laughs> to which he replied, I knew that was you. <laughs> my, I was talking to um, uh, my uncle uh, the other night and he, he was he was to confession regularly growing up and then just stopped, you know. And... Um, and I, we got onto the conversation of uh, religion and yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, he doesn't go as much as he used to. His wife goes, but he doesn't go unless he's dragged there, essentially. <laughs> and he said, the one thing I miss from uh, from going regularly was confession. Oh, yeah. And I said, really? I said, that always, to me has always seemed like a punishment almost, you know, because I was sort of, I was semi-honest. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'd sort of say, I'd, I'd leave a few facts out, but, you know, I'd, I'd get as much as I needed to. And... Um, and he said, "Yeah, now when I th- he said now I'm older, I think actually it was a bit. It was like counselling almost for me. Like it was a. Oh yeah. So I used to go and genuinely in that moment just go. Here's all the things I went. Um, last time I went to confession was the morning of my wedding because uh, myself and my best man decided we thought it was a tradition, right, to go to confession. You know, so we went to the small country church in Monaghan. The Saturday morning I was getting married, and I was I was going to give the priest everything. I was going to." Yeah, everything that I've ever done, and I was uh, really disappointed at how kind of unimpressed he was with, <laughs> with my sins. I was expecting to blow his mind. <laughs> <laughs> He's heard it all. But, see, you what, just wanted to hit on the other side, just like a uh, father. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, sigh, he sighed like like oh Jesus. Like I said, I. <laughs> I took cocaine and I uh, <laughs> bought loads of drugs and I I'd been with women at a night and I'd done things I shouldn't have done and I just heard him go. <sighs> <laughs> what is going to surprise the priest? Yeah. So I said I, I found myself I have to impress this guy. Uh, <laughs> Making uh, up sense. Yeah. I, I murdered a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, it must be weird in those small communities where. You recognise voices. Well, he knows the voice, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, I think the idea of it is great. The idea of, uh, it, the idea of it is both great and alarming. The idea that you can, another member of the community can say, I've heard your, the worst things you've done mm. and, I, and I'm going to tell you it's okay. Don't, don't, right. don't worry about it. Uh, the alarming thing about it is kind of is surrendering some sort of authority to an individual. So it's, um, but I... I I, I prefer communion, actually. I, I love Holy Communion. Right. I'd, I'd be... Uh, uh, any time I get the chance to go to Mass, I do. Uh, and that's my favourite bit, is the Holy Communion. I just uh, Why I just, is that? I know, I do. just like the ritual of it. I just think yeah, it's kind yeah. of... It's, um, uh, it's, and it's kind of strange, because it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This is my body. Like, that. it's... it's, it's um, you're hoping that there's a truth in the fiction. Yes, uh, yeah. Truth of some sort. Uh, but that's, that's my favourite bit of it, is Holy Communion. There was a moment as a kid where we went to uh, confession and my a friend of ours, who will remain anonymous, um, was a bit of a scallywag. Mm. And he, in, this is uh, back when I was growing up in Manchester, and um, he and a couple of his pals had been, and actually at the local church, the other church, not the Catholic church, had um, sticky fingers and oh, yeah. had taken some of the cash out of the, the the little thing at the back and then went to confess it at the Catholic Church. And he obviously uh, forgave them yeah. and then also said, and where is the money now? Yeah. He said, well, I've still got, you know, a few 
few quid of it in my pocket. And he said, okay, well, on your way out, put it in our wow. box. So he's sort of part of the... Basically, <laughs> Rob from the other church to give it to our yeah. church, you know. I think that if... Now, if in Ireland somebody was in the confessional box mm. and said, I stole money from the Protestants, <laughs> I think the priest would say, good lad. <laughs> they have too much of it anyway. Them, them Protestants is loaded. This is Jason Manford. This is Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. Tommy Tiernan is here, a legendary stand-up comedian. And, uh, in here, really, because it's International Women's Day. And, of course, it's International Women's Day, we thought just, we'd get Tommy do, on. Just doing my bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, Tommy... Big, big shout-out to all the international women out there. <laughs> Jet-setting, all around the place. Uh, Tommy is, you may know, um, you should know, because one of the best comedies that's been on the telly box for the last few years, Derry Girls. You play the, the, the dad in... Uh, the worn-out father. Worn-out father. Yeah. He's, I mean, I wouldn't say he's a straight role, but he's certainly the sort of most sensible one in that pack, almost. Yeah, it's very... It's You'd be alarmed to, the ease to which I took to the part. <laughs> the oppressed husband. <laughs> it's great. I um, I feel lucky to be working with such funny people, you know. Uh, and they're, they're so they're, funny. There are two members of the cast that I can't look at. Oh, really? Uh, because I laugh. Um, and it's... <laughs> It's enough to bring you out in sweats. Like the first thing I do, uh, Kathy Kira Clark, who plays uh, my sister-in-law. Mm. Uh, what's her name? What's the sister-in-law's name? Uh, You'll have to tell us, I'm afraid. I can't remember myself. The auntie, though. Yeah, I know you can The auntie. What's it? Um, God, the name is... Joe will find it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, hang on here, while Joe types, sister-in-law, <laughs> Kathy Kira Clark, Gary Girls... It's like Paula or Sue or Mary. Or <laughs> you should know Alison. more than us. What is it? People are going now. People are shouting at the radio. How does he not know the name? How do you not? Sarah. I'm Sarah. <laughs> you have had a break though, haven't you, to be fair. So yeah. I get it. Uh, but Kathy is one of the funniest people that I've ever uh, worked with. And I'm, I'm just not, not able to look at her. Yeah. Uh, so I would, uh, when I get the scripts, and we start shooting again in April... Uh, and I, I mean this sincerely. I, as soon as I get the scripts, I will rifle through it. First of all, to see my own scenes, and then to pray to God that I don't have an awful lot of scenes with her because <laughs> I'd be getting the sweats the night before. Like, how can I keep a straight face with? So we find it very difficult because I think because her character is so beautifully eccentric, and yes. she does it so amazingly, so so natural. Yeah, um, uh, so I find it very difficult to look at her. And I also find it impossible to look at Orla, who's her daughter. Right. Uh, the curly-headed oh, kind yeah, of daft Oh, yeah, she's one. very funny. So I just, I, f- I do find it quite stressful. I uh, <laughs> Is there many second takes, third takes, fourth takes? There's a lot, but there's a lot of sweating and a lot of kind of um, just nervousness. And um, I, I find it easier acting with some of the less funny characters. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, but it's... Um, but that's our weird link together is Cathy because Cathy yeah. is actually... I've, we've got a flat in London that my... Uh, and she's my, my my wife's best she's, friend. She's kept in a room there. And she's kept in a room <laughs> in our flat. Yeah, she's our like London housemate. So um, she is hilarious. So it's... it's uh, I, I love doing the show though. I love it. Um, I love the teamwork aspect of it, mm. uh, which you, you don't get in stand-up. 
Uh, yeah, it's nice to have colleagues, isn't it? <laughs> you're you're lonely as an assassin in stand-up traveling, you know. But in in the sitcom, it's uh, it's it's wonderful. And 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 the the it sort of came from nowhere. That Lisa was your friend of Lisa McGee, the writer. Or? Not at all. No, no. Uh, um, pure fluke. Happened to be in London. They said, "Do you want to be in it?" I said, "Okay." Wow. Um, uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's, um, but but this is the last series, I think. As far as I know, this is the this is the very last series. She just decided that that's as funny as it can be in three series, and I have no idea. No, she just doesn't speak to us. She doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the girls are getting older, so they can't be dairy girls anymore. I suppose can they? For no, no. And they, uh, in fairness to the to the four girls, are I think two are in their twenties and two are a bit older. They do look fantastic as teenagers. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, they do, they do. I'll tell you a weird one now. So I was gigging in Derry um, last, uh, sometime last year. And I found myself, something happened to me when I was there. Uh, I'm looking at all the street names and some of the street Mm. names have been in the show and stuff like that. And I have this, uh, you have a sense of when you're in a, a family sitcom of actually being part of a family. It's a, not your real family, but it's kind of some kind of alternative universe mm. where uh, there's something real about it. So I found myself, um, uh, I was there for three, three nights in Derry at four o'clock when all the schoolgirls <laughs> came out of class yeah, yeah. and were walking home. I, I found myself uh, following them. Okay. <laughs> this is a very weird confessional, but I can, t- I can hear it. As a kind of... Um, and I was going, part of me was going, well, what are you doing? <laughs> yes. But it was almost like I had this thing, these, these are my kids or, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was so strange. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, it's, it is a, it's a delight of a show to It's do. a wonderful show. The first series is on, is on Netflix and I presume you can get both of them on the uh, Channel 4 player or whatever that, that they've got. But it's, mm. it, you, you, I mean, they're only half hour episodes, aren't they? So you can... Uh, and the soundtrack to all of them is fantastic. Oh, great, great music. brilliant. It's so well observed. And uh, it was one of those shows that I, I'd watched and then told my parents, you've got you've to gotta watch this. And, yeah. and they loved it as well. So it's definitely fun for all the family over a certain age. <laughs> Sunday mornings, 8 till 11. Jason Manford on Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. It's funny being in Blackpool this week because, like we were saying, there's there's one thing we don't have as stand-ups is a is a community really a union a union <laughs> certainly no union. No. There's always a comic who'll do your gig if you don't want to do it. But it's, the comedians' um, union of national treasures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about the same. I've known a few of those, and uh, they. And and so it's quite nice to see you like that comedy carpet they've got there yeah, totally. and the names on the wall. It's nice to see us all together, your colleagues essentially, yeah, historically yeah. and current. You know, um, but I I think the one thing that's that I miss from my I was I had a girlfriend whose uncle was a comedian, so I was like fifteen, sixteen, mm. and he was a com- he was an old style comic essentially. Do the working men's clubs, Dave Barron. He was very funny and. Uh, you know, it's all those sort of like one-liners. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I have such bad luck. You know, I was at a funeral recently. I, I caught the wreath. You know, it's those sort of like <laughs> cracking one-liners. You know, and um, I remember I used to hold his shirt. I used to carry his shirt to the, you know, so I could go with him. Essentially, yeah, yeah. he just found a job for me, yeah, yeah. so I could go and watch him do his stand-up. And the one thing I miss from what what we do now is, is just touring solo is is that dressing room. Sure, yeah, camaraderie, totally, I guess. and and the stories, and because nobody's telling stories about the good gigs, 
You know, yeah, they're telling yeah. the terrible gigs or the weird comic because there's some odd comics out there uh, that they bumped into. I remember uh, there was it was at a dressing room. So Roy Walker told us this story, um, him of uh, catchphrase fame, um, about because uh, the weirdest of all the performers, I think, are the um, uh, ventriloquists. Oh yeah, there's something weird. There's something really? odd. Yeah, they're weird. I've never met one that's not a bit weird. Paul mm. Zerden's all right. Yeah, but other than that. Like, what, what way are they weird? Uh, something to do with the, the, the personality displacement. Uh, you know, because because they've got a puppet that is like yeah. their friend. That's who they... Confide in and... I've, you know, I've heard stories about people saying they could hear Keith Harris talking to Orville in a dressing room by himself, you know. So they have this otherworldly nature to them. Yeah. But there was one back in the day called Lord Charles. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. remember Lord Charles? Ray, uh, Ray Allen. That's right, yeah, he was great. Ray Allen, yeah, brilliant. Posh Lord Charles with a monocle. Yeah, steamed. <laughs> There's a story that Roy Walker told us that he kept, they were in a dressing room, they're all sat there, you know, Roy and another couple of comics all sat there. And Ray Allen came in, he had a big trunk, uh, and he had Ray Allen across, like over his arm, uh, Lord, uh, uh, Lord Charles over his arm. And when he came in, he hung Lord Charles on a, yeah. on a hook. And then he had this big, quite mysterious looking trunk with him as well, big brown case thing. And he said, I'm just going to go and get a shower, lads. Um, do us a favour, don't, don't look in the trunk. So he leaves, he gets in the course, shower. Yeah, yeah. So Roy's sat there with the others and they're also ignoring <laughs> this trunk. And after a few minutes, he's I'm going to have a look in the trunk. Why would yeah. he say don't look in the trunk? So they've had a look. And they look, and when they've looked in there, there's nothing really mysterious in there. There's uh, spare parts, I guess, for, yeah. the, for the dummy and uh, some clothes and, and washing, toiletries and closes it back up and they sit back down, make sure it's all fine, exactly how he left it. And when... Ray Allen comes back in with his towel around him after the show. He looks at Lord Charles on the hook, and Lord Charles says, Roy Walker looked in your case. <laughs> <laughs> like the length oh he's my gone God. to. <laughs> that's fantastic. There's something strangely, hilariously eerie oh about my that God, story. That's uh, <laughs> that's Bride of Chucky territory, isn't it? <laughs> it's on a weird level. There's always something oh. a bit odd about ventriloquists. That's, uh, I love that story. <laughs> Jason Manford on Absolute Radio. Where real music matters. John in Birmingham, a uh, huge Tommy Turner fan, uh, said uh, when you were filming Father Ted, was uh, obviously you, you were laughing during Derry Girls. Did yeah. you have a similar thing going on when you were doing that? Because that must have been surrounded by hilarious people. No, uh, not really. Um, the strange thing about doing Father Ted was because I'd been such a fan of the first uh, three series uh, was to find yourself in the sitting room on Craggy Island. Yeah, of course. That yeah. was just bizarre. A bit like me being in the Rover's Return. Yeah, it's kind of... You can't kind of go... It, <laughs> yeah. You can't kind of put, put it together. I had an interesting thing... Um, I was on the Late Late Show in Ireland on, uh, on uh, this is when it was recorded on a Saturday night mm. uh, and I'd gotten into trouble. People didn't really know who I was as a, as a comedian but I'd gotten into trouble from doing some material about the Lamb of God in a very mm. very kind of jokey way but it, it was on the same night as Dana who was, I don't remember Dana, she won the Eurovision Song Contest but she's a very kind of uh, Catholic mm -hmm. politician as well. Right. So a lot of her fans would have been tuning into the station uh, so I did this material about the Lamb of God and uh, protesters drove in. It's a live show. Protesters drove in and were picketing outside wow. the television studio. 
before the transmission ended. So I, I went to leave and the producer said, no, you can't go because there's people out there um, they are protesting about the material that you've done. I don't think you just, just wait till they go. So that was the Saturday. The Monday I'm down in West Clare filming Father Ted mm-hmm. and I'm in the priest's outfit. So <laughs> <laughs> I go for a walk around the town during the day, you know. <laughs> This guy's double down. He's double down. I didn't realise that fellow who was taking the piss out of the Lamb of God was a priest. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I mean, so, there's been over the years you've had a couple of moments where yeah, people sure. have decided to complain about material. Does that affect what you write now? It, or it, it, No, it, it really affects me afterwards. Because right. I feel very guilty and I feel, oh my God, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and I feel really, I feel ashamed sometimes. Mm. Um, but I know on stage, I just can't, if something comes into my mind, I just have to say it, and it's it feels good natured, even though it could be mischievous or yeah. it could be picking on somebody or maybe mm. uh, I'm, I'm a great man. Like say if, if there's someone with disability in the front row of the show, I'll always talk to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if I can think of something funny to say about it, I will. And it, it, people get the sense it's almost a sense of relief yes. when you've addressed the thing in the room that might be. Yeah. Tensing people up, yeah. you know. And also, if you avoid, I do the same thing, you know, if you avoid that person because they're uh, disabled in a wheelchair, then that's also not good, is it? You know what I mean? So totally. They're um, sat on the front row, they're getting it. They're yeah, yeah. No, no matter what. Yeah, of course. Um, so I have, uh, I have regretted stuff that I've said uh, totally. Yeah. But I also know in the moment, it just feels that's like part, the right thing to say. That's part of the magic of of, of live. Well, the danger as well. As well I mean, it? yeah, it's, it's it's not a Disney magic. No, no, it's very much not. It's a dark magic. It's like the evil guy in Lord of the Rings magic. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, you know, when you're writing a new tour, are you looking? Are you looking at the news, or are you delving into your past, or what? Are you trying to see how those two things can fit together? Uh, I don't really write the process? show. I just. Um, I get up on stage and over time the show forms itself. So I mm. might say, okay, well, is there anything I can do about the coronavirus? I'm not really engaged with that. Is there anything I can do about Putin or Trump? Or I'm not really engaged with that. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I just, it's a strange thing. The show doesn't happen until the audience turn up. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a script that I, uh, I've spent six months writing. It's a show that's formed over repeat performances. Yeah, it's like work in progress. Yeah, and I'm I'm always drawn to the same material, Mm -hmm. which is uh, hose pipes (laughs) (laughs) and ventriloquists. (laughs) That's some of my favourite topics as well, to be honest, Tommy. Well, look, you can see uh, Tommy Tiernan on tour. Uh, He's on tour right now. In fact, if you're in uh, Manchester, where we are, uh, he's at Salford Keys tonight uh, at the Lowry Theatre beautiful theatre one of my favourites he's in the big room there so uh, there's a handful of. I just looked online there's like a handful the stalls are gone the circle's gone but upper circle and the the jokes are the same up there aren't they? Uh, No they're different (laughs) (laughs) I actually I I hire somebody else to do the circle (laughs) I I do the stalls and I get get a posh bird to strip up at the circle (laughs) Uh, and then Bath, Nottingham, Reading, Southampton, Pool for Paddy's Day. Yeah. Where else would you want to be? Uh, London, Apollo, Northampton and Newcastle. And then up to uh, loads of gigs up in Scotland, October, November. Um, I presume it's TommyTiernan.com. There's no, no one's told me. No, uh, Tomedian is the... Tomedian? Yeah, cross between Tommy and Comedian. Oh, I see. Yeah, I got it. Oh, you got it, okay. <laughs> I thought because you were saying it slowly, you were kind of going... 
Uh, no, comedian. Comedian. Yeah. Okay, well, there, yeah. there you go. Uh, so that's where all the. I put a lot of effort into that. <laughs> Jason. Absolute Radio. Manford. Where real music matters. Rob Foster messaged me on Facebook. He said, um, Jason, ask if he remembers being at Lowry uh, a few years ago, mm-hmm. nearly 20 years ago, he says here. Uh, he was telling a story about Irish people not leaving the pub even if there was a fire. That's right, yeah. Then the fire alarm went off. Yeah. At the Lowry, but nobody in the audience moved because they thought it was part of the act. Ah, yes. This ring a bell? That must have been a while ago, crikey. Uh, that was like we all died. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That weirdly happened to me uh, recently. I did the Lowry last May. People had been telling me you'd stolen some of my material, all right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've started getting a fire alarm. <laughs> Somebody sat on one of those Chinese phones and it started smoking behind them and it set off the fire alarm. You know those, what they call Hawaii phones? They, they, say it again? You know, I think they call Hawaii, Hawaii or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I was getting mixed up. Anyway, if you sit, if you if they get lodged, like you can't put them under your pillow or like a, they got down and it set on fire, his phone set on fire. There's been fire. a huge, just, uh, there's been a massive rectal theme throughout the show this morning. Has <laughs> I never even went there. But you're saying he, he sat on the phone and he went on fire. He sat on his phone and he went on fire. Okay. I guess it has got a rectal theme, you're right. Um, but yeah, I had the fire alarm go off as well. And it, wow. There's a, something going on at the Lowry. Although my, the weird thing for me was I'd had a support act on, who, Tez Ilias, who's a brilliant comic, and he'd done a routine about uh, terrorism and about terrorism within gigs like this. And he'd sort of said, you know, if they came in and started, you know, uh, destroying the, the, the place... Um, he said, as a as a Muslim guy, I'd probably just pretend I was with him. Like that was it. That was his gag. And then when he finished the, sh- he actually finished on "Good Night Infidels." That was his like, last okay. bit. And then the alarms went off, and my audience had the same thing where they were like, "Wow, this guy's really gone for it." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we got to get outside now as well. It was a very odd, wow. uh, odd part of the evening. Uh, but you can see Tommy at the Lowry tonight and various uh, o- other places. Um, loads of people. People seem to be able to quote your um, your material. Uh, people talk about skiing. Someone, someone's asking yeah. about the Irish going skiing. I'll need that as I get older. People who are more familiar with the show than I am. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> Do you know, <laughs> I start quoting stuff. I'm like, is that me? That sounds hilarious. Can you sell it fully so I can remember it for my own act? That'd be great. Um, and a few people having problems with the uh, RTE player saying this, uh, that they can't find your uh, they can't watch the RTE player here in the UK. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? Um, but we were allowed to do anything. That, that could be uh, a Protestant thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Protestants aren't allowed to watch the RTE player. It's part of the... Uh... Fair enough. We've had it good. <laughs> They've had it good for the rest of the time. Uh, look, thanks for coming in. It was a real treat to have you My pleasure, uh, Jason. live on the, sh- on the show today. Uh, Tommy Turner, Tom Foolery, uh, he's absolutely everywhere. Uh, please go and see him. If I've, I'm, I've recommended so many comics over the last four years, uh, but I really mean this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up in Glasgow this week. Uh, come and see us in curtains. We're there till Saturday at the King's Theatre. Sunday mornings, 8 till 11. Jason Manford on Absolute Radio. Where real music matters.